Welcome to the Basic Money Matters Show, where we will discuss tools and tips to help you manage your money. Are you ready to get your finances in order? Well, here's your host, Annette Sullivan, certified public accountant and owner of Temple Management Consulting to show us how. Hello, hello, hello to everyone. So glad that you have joined today to listen to the Basic Money Matter Show once again. We're super excited about our topic as always. In this episode, speaking to those who are leaders of nonprofit organizations, those who work for nonprofit organizations, those who are thinking about starting a nonprofit organization, anyone who has an interest in a nonprofit organization, we are speaking to you today. Uh, whether you are a church or other type of nonprofit organization. So what are we going to talk about? We are going to talk about what is the difference between a nonprofit organization and a 501c3 in this case. There are other 501s. We're going to talk about 501c3. Oftentimes, the two terms are used interchangeably in a conversation. So we want to make sure that we're all clear on the difference between what do we mean when we say a nonprofit? What do we mean when we say a 501c3? Then we'll move right in and really hone in on tax exemption, 501c3 tax exemption. What is it? What really are the benefits of a 501c3 tax exemption? Then we'll move into getting exempt. Just on a high level, what does it take? What do you need to do to get your 501c3 tax exemption? And we're not going to talk about all of the boring things. You've got to fill out this form and you've got to just from a high level perspective, what are some considerations? What should you expect uh, out of the process? What should you expect to see? What kind of time you think that it may take? Those sorts of things. Now, once you do obtain, your organization uh, has been approved by the IRS for a tax exemption, then you must keep your tax exemption. You must know what are those things that the organization needs to look out for, pay attention to, do or not do, to jeopardize its tax-exempt status. So we will discuss the top three that is really, 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 really important. So this is all about clarifying, setting the expectations for uh, getting a tax exemption, 
and setting the expectations around pitfalls and things to watch out for in order to keep your tax exemption status. You do not want your tax exemption to be taken away, revoked or otherwise. That is not a good thing. It would be costly, it would be an embarrassment for your organization. It just would not be a good thing. So a nonprofit organization is, you have established a nonprofit organization. Nonprofit organizations are established under state laws. In order to have set up your nonprofit, you would have had to go to your Secretary of State website and uh, do an application, submit documents to be set up as a nonprofit organization. Many, not all, but many nonprofit organizations are incorporated in their state. You do not have to be incorporated, but for more protection, many uh, people move to incorporate uh, their nonprofit first. So they set up a nonprofit corporation. So, So a nonprofit organization is an organization that has been established to do good in the community. I am just gonna really summarize it in just basically layman's terms. You have seen or determined that there is a a need in the community that you would like to fill through the nonprofit organization. And that is the purpose for a public, pretty much a public good to serve a need If it were not for your nonprofit organization and the other millions in this country or any other country, the federal government would have more work, would have to step up even more. So nonprofit organizations are serving a much needed good in the communities and we thank you for it. So, Now that you have a nonprofit organization, does that mean that you are tax exempt? Absolutely not. That is a separate step. So a 501, when you hear someone say, I am a five or I have a 501c3 organization, that means that they have they have been recognized by the IRS or approved of their nonprofit organization has been approved to receive tax exemption. Until you take the step of applying for tax exemption, you are not a 501c3 organization. You are a nonprofit organization doing good, but you have not received IRS tax exempt status. It is a status. So 501c3 is the portion of the U.S. federal tax code that recognizes federal tax exemption for organizations. That is 501c3 is a part of the, is a section of the federal tax code. 
So now that we have that established, uh, the assumption is that you want to move forward in getting approval, recognition as a 501c3 tax exempt organization. Now you want your nonprofit to be tax exempt. So what does that mean? What are the benefits of tax exemption? Well, number one, what that really means is that you, your organization will have exemption from federal income taxes on the income that your organization receives relating to the organization's purpose. So all of those contributions and uh, that your organization receives, all of the income that it receives that is related to the organization's purpose will be exempt from you having to pay federal income taxes on. Notice some key words, the organization's purpose. So how does the IRS even know what your organization's purpose is? Well, when you apply for your 501c3, they're going to ask you to state and document in detail the purpose of your organization, your mission, the purpose, how you get it all done. It's a long process. It's a pretty lengthy application, but the, the beauty of the application is that it gets you to really thinking through. It doesn't matter how long you have been operating as a nonprofit. You could have been operating for 10 years and have never applied or for 10 months. What really matters is that you understand and all of your stakeholders really understand the organization's mission and purpose and how you will execute it. So going back to the benefits uh, of what of getting a 501c3 tax exemption. So secondly, your organization would then be eligible to receive a uh, eligibility to receive tax deductibility, tax deductible contributions from your donors and supporters. So looking at it another way, those contributions are tax deductible for your donors and supporters. Now there are three categories of tax exempt organizations. Generally, your organization will be considered a public charity, a private foundation, or other exempt organization. The majority of tax exempt organizations in the US are public charities to the tune of about 69-70%. A public charity generally exists to fulfill some public need or societal need. What you're doing is benefiting the general public, not a specific small group of people. So now that you know the 
what what a 501c3 really is, what are the benefits? So basically you do not want to have to pay taxes because you'd have to file a corporate tax return likely. And then the organization would have to pay taxes on all that income. Well, if you have to pay taxes, then that takes away from the reason that you're there and you're there to help the public. Every bit of funding that you get, you need every penny of it in order to support your clients, those that you're there to help, not to uh, pay taxes. So that is the reason that the tax exemption uh, does exist from the federal government, but you do have to apply for it. So once you understand tax exemption, what that really means, the difference between being a nonprofit and a 501c3, now you're ready to move ahead and get your tax exemption. So here are some pointers and some ideas. Most, most nonprofits will need to submit an application to the IRS in order to get their tax exemption. Notice I said most. So that application will have to be submitted for most of you. And the reason I say most and not all is that there are some exemptions that the IRS allows for where the nonprofit does not have to submit an application, that they are automatically recognized as a tax-exempt 501c3 organization. And what are some of those exemptions? Number one, churches. A church does not have to apply. Number two, government instrumentalities. And number three, public charities with annual gross receipts, normally no more than $5,000. So if you have a small uh, nonprofit organization with gross receipts, less than $5,000 normally, you would not have to uh, submit an application. You would be considered a uh, tax exempt. Now, keep in mind that albeit the, there are some exemptions that we mentioned here, that some organizations, while be it they are, uh, they are automatically exempt and do not have to apply, they may choose to apply because when you apply for tax exemption, it gets you formal IRS recognition. So what do you mean by that formal? Well, you get a piece of paper from the IRS that says your nonprofit organization has been approved and you are a tax exempt organization. You have been approved effective X day. You do not get that uh, if you are a church or a smaller charity, uh, those that, you know, you meet the, the exemption requirements where you don't have to file the paperwork. You don't get a piece of paper. Yes, you can tell people that you are a 501c3, but you, if someone asks you for evidence 
you do not have that to present. Just keep that in mind. So in getting your exemption, once again, you will have to submit, prepare and submit an application online. You used to be able to submit an application via paper. That option is no longer available. There is a user fee, or you might want to call it an application fee, whatever you want to call it, but there is a fee you need to be aware of. Also, you must, or your organization must have an employer identification number, better known as an EIN number. It doesn't matter whether or not you have employees or not, you must have a separate EIN number for your nonprofit for this application. So you need to take care of that. The process, once you submit your application online, uh, it could take weeks, it could take months, it could take longer if it is delayed due to errors on your part or any other reasons. The reasons could be maybe you did not attach all the required documentation that was requested in the application. So pay particular attention to the instructions, which tells you exactly what you need to uh, prepare, what you need to submit. Your application can be delayed if it is not completed properly. You left out questions. You did not complete the questions in its entirety. Your application will be delayed if it is not signed and signed by someone in the proper authority. So it is better, it will take less time for you to take your time in preparing the application, going over it, not once, not twice, but maybe even three times to ensure that it is completed in its entirety. All required attachments are there, of all required schedules that are required are there, that it is properly signed because it will delay it and take longer than you would have anticipated. Now, if your application is approved, your proof of tax exemption is in the letter from the IRS. Now I want to bring this up. Sometimes I have heard people speak of a tax exempt number what's my tax exempt number or is there a tax exempt there is no such thing as a tax exemption number the only thing the only number that you need to be concerned with is your EIN which is basically like a social security number for your organization that's the layman's way to think about it is your EIN number which is needed for just about everything to open your bank account, which is needed for everything. But as far as tax exemption, when the IRS approves your tax exemption, 
There is no affiliated number. It's just the letter that says you are a tax exempt organization and you are on record with the IRS. You go into the database because they will be looking at looking for required filings and other things for you to be in compliance with now that you are an IRS recognized tax exempt organization. So keep in mind, there's no such thing as a tax exempt number. So now you are a tax exempt organization. Your next goal is to continue to do the wonderful work that you're doing in the community, helping people in need, filling that need, um, generating and getting all those great outcomes for your nonprofit organization, uh, fundraising, showing your stakeholders, showing your supporters and your donors that you are a good steward of the funds that they have contributed and that it's going where it should be going. But you need to stay tax exempt. And what do I mean is that the question is, can this privilege, this benefit of being tax exempt, can it be taken away? Can it be revoked? And the answer is yes. So your job is to know what you should be careful of to keep your tax exemption. Because if it's revoked, then I think you know what the, what the implications are. You no longer have it. You may potentially have to pay taxes uh, on those uh, pr on previous years, depending on the reason for the uh, revocation, your uh, donors now, uh, your donors now would be less likely to contribute because their contributions won't be tax deductible. So huge ramifications to lose your tax exempt status. So let's talk about the top three. And the first one is failure to file your annual information return or notice with the IRS for three consecutive years. Now there are some exemptions with a 990 and that pretty much a church does not need to. So you need to look at that. Some, some organizations do not have to file their nine, file the 990, which is the information return. The 990, form 990 is the information return. But if you fail, if you're required to, and you fail to so uh, file that with the IRS for three years in a row, then you are automatically revoked. Your organization is receives an automatic revocation, which is not a good thing. Your organization loses its tax exemption through automatic revocation. Then the organization may have to pay federal income tax and may have to file a corporate tax return or an estate trust tax return uh, uh, alongside of paying those taxes. Then your organization would have to reapply for 501c3 to be reinstated. You must reapply, which means another user fee and the whole long drawn out process. So you want to avoid that. So file those information returns. 
and there are um there are extensions that are available that the IRS would give you if you feel like you're going to be late. Those are all available. Second reason that your tax exemption uh, can be taken away is due to what we call excess benefit transactions. Excess benefit. And it is exactly what it sounds like. What does that sound like? Excess benefit. Somebody somebody is getting some type of benefit that is fairly sizable. And remember, the purpose of the tax-exempt organization is what? To do a public good, to serve the community, not to serve or to enrich people on the inside. That is not the purpose. So people that are on the board, that's in management, they should not be receiving excess benefit uh, from the organization. So an excess benefit transaction is a transaction between your organization and a disqualified person. Now, such activities, such activities that fall under this category, if not handled properly, can be loans, compensation, grants, and scholarships. So remember, we said excess benefit transactions have to occur between your nonprofit and a disqualified person. So who is a disqualified person? Disqualified person is any person in a position to exercise a lot of influence over the affairs of the organization. And that could be the executive director, president, the head of finance, board members, family members of any of these. So. It may not be the executive director, but it could be family members of the executive directors, family members of board members, family members of the head of finance. Also disqualified persons can be a business that is controlled by a board member, an executive director or president or head of finance. These are all considered disqualified persons. A disqualified person typically will not be an independent contractor or any other related exempt organization, or typically an employee who earns less than a certain amount of money. So you ask, I hear you asking, when does an excess benefit occur? Well, it happens when you have a disqualified person that receives an excess benefit in a transaction with your organization, with your exempt organization, uh, where there is unreasonable compensation, unreasonable or unsubstantiated compensation, unreasonable or unsubstantiated expense reimbursements, embezzlement. Overall, with an excess benefit transaction, there is a transaction in which an economic benefit, 
money or some type of gain. An economic benefit is provided by your tax exempt organization to or for the use of a disqualified person. And the value of what that person receives far exceeds the value of what they had to give up or give to the organization. So let's give an example, just a very simple example. Let's say there's a board member. Immediately, that's a disqualified person. Your tax-exempt organization sold property to this board member. The property is worth $100,000. That's the fair market value of the property but you sold it to the board member, who is a person of influence, for $20,000. Excess benefit, the fair market value or the economic benefit is 100,000 and what they had to give up or what you received was only 20. That's an excess benefit, 100. If there are going to be, if there's going to be a transaction with a disqualified person, it needs to be at arm's length. It needs to be what you would have sold it to for someone who was not inside or highly influ highly influential in the organization. And finally, let's talk about generally lobbying, political and unre uh, basically lobbying and political activities that should be avoided, what that really means in order to stay exempt. Your tax exemption can be jeopardized by participating or intervening in any political campaign on behalf of or in opposition to a candidate for public office on behalf of or in opposition to, you could jeopardize your tax exempt status. Finally, lobbying. Lobbying is when you are attempting to influence legislation. You're either coming out for or against actual or pending legislation. Attempting to contact or asking the public or your members to contact members of any legislative body. Keep in mind, when you're dealing with political, it's it's not always black and white. What to say, what not to say in terms of your tax exempt organization, but what you do need to know when we're talking about lobbying and political, you need to be very careful and understand the rules. When we're talking about transactions between disqualified individuals and those are, and we talked about who they typically are, you need to be very, very careful about that in, in order to uh, not jeopardize the organization's tax exempt status. So we thank you so much and hope that you gleaned something from this information on today. In a, in a, in a subsequent episode, we will deal further on tax exemption compliance and things of that nature, but hopefully you picked up some good tips and tools uh, for your nonprofit organization as it pertains to 501c tax exempt status. Thank you for listening to this episode of Basic Money Matters. 
where we take the complicated financial parts of your life and or business and make it easy for you to understand. This and all of our episodes are aired on Hindsight Media Radio Network 103.5, where there is always something good to listen to. Thanks so much for joining us for the Basic Money Matters Show. Please visit our website at templemanagementconsulting.com. Be sure to tune in for the next episode of Basic Money Matters. Thanks again for joining us.